Good evening, and welcome to the Black and Grim podcast. Grim and I hope you're having a deliciously macabre All Hallows' Eve this year. Tonight, we're offering three short tales to celebrate our favorite holiday. In Everybody Loves Finger Food, a renowned chef is preparing a delectable Halloween feast. In The Cell, our gruff narrator tells us about what happened to a particularly creepy cellmate. Finally, our final micro-story, Drip, might leave you with more questions than your candy-riddled mind can handle. Now, sit back, try to relax, and hear our tales. Not everything tastes like chicken. Ralph muses over this as he prepares the evening's meal. Skilled hands perform their dance. The blade volleys up and down, periodically swishing outwards to push the ingredients out of his way. Not everything tastes like chicken. God, ain't that about the truth of it. And it sure isn't poultry wafting through the air, mingling with the pungent produce and decadent spices. The phone shrieks from the counter behind him. He looks down at the half-Julian mushrooms splayed on the cutting board. It seems to grow louder, this unending call. Ralph thinks about ignoring the call. Just when he thinks it has gone to voicemail, the ringing starts fresh. Damn it, he mutters. His voice flows as rich and smooth as the gravy accompanying tonight's meal. It's a sound he loves. It's a sound many people love. So he sighs, lays his knife onto the mahogany board, and grabs the towel he's kept at his waist. Old habits, you know. Then he attends to the call. Ralph speaking. Hi, Ralphie. The woman coos in his ear. Ah, Victoria, his sister. Happy Halloween. Hey, Vic, he says, smiling. He hates being called Ralphie. But it's his favorite little sister, so he'll allow it. He cradles the phone between his neck and shoulder. The feast won't cook itself, after all. Turning back to the island, he finishes slicing the mushrooms. Happy Halloween! What's up? Oh, I was just seeing if I needed to bring anything later. <laughs> Other than Kevin. Ralph rolled his eyes. He doesn't like Kevin. He slides the mushrooms to one side, joining them with the other plants. Time for the meat. This, he has to admit, is his favorite part. 
No, Doug stopped by earlier and lent a hand. Unless you're wanting something special, I think we're good. He reaches into the sloping glass basin where his meat has been marinating since noon. Another smile touches his face as he places this on a new cutting board beside the previous one he had worked on. Oh? How helpful can he be? Vic asks skeptically. He looks at the meat before saying, I'd say pretty helpful. <laughs> That's what you said about Julio. But, uh, you're the chef, so I guess you know best. Anyway, I've been looking for it to tonight for a week. Her voice trails off. For the next few moments, Ralph listens to Vic muse to herself. Oh, I wonder if there's going to be one of those jack-o'-lantern displays like last year. Man, all those colors! Kind of made me think of Thanksgiving. <laughs> and the ghost and ghoulies? <laughs> I'm excited! He interjects here. It's gonna be great. I think I've outdone myself this time. Ralph gazes into the open living room which has been transformed into a tasteful, mind you, shrine to All Hallows' Eve. Indeed, throughout the chamber, he's placed colorful gourds, ranging from purples to greens, not to mention the standard orange. He is particularly proud of the gnarled tree he's had brought in. It's potted, yet somehow evokes old Salem vibes with its twisted, wrinkled branches. There's even a sturdy noose draping from one. With suitable plateware, he's managed to evoke merry devilry in an upscale loft. It isn't until he hears Bit clear her throat that he realizes he's gotten sidetracked. She has been saying something, which he's missed, so Ralph asks his sister to repeat it. She does. Are you sure there's going to be enough food? You know the people coming tonight. Carnivores, man. He chuckles. <laughs> She's not wrong, but he's confident dinner will go off without a hitch. I'll throw in a leg and get it done. <laughs> Don't worry, Vic. She chortles merrily, and he can feel her eyes roll. Anyway, I was just checking. I'll let you get back to it, oh Master Chef. See you at seven. She hangs up, and he places the phone on an open spot on the nearby counter. Ralph reaches towards the meat, hesitates, and thinks about it. He needs salt and pepper, both staples to maximize flavor. He dips first into a small bowl filled with salt, sprinkles it over the meat, then does the same with the pepper. Satisfied, he grabs his knife and starts shaving at the wrist. <laughs> Everybody loves some good finger food. Now, that was scrumptious, eh? It's always lovely when the monsters decide to celebrate. But hey, I hear the prison guards calling roll. <laughs>
It's time. Let's go find the cell. I ain't pessimistic by nature, but goddamn things could have gone better. I'd already served 15 years of a lifetime sentence when the old screws figured it was time to bump me with some fresh meat. I'd had a cellmate, but he had gotten out a few months back. Huh. Well, gotten out might be a stretch. The silly bastard hung himself in our cell after his sissy boyfriend got caught peddling ass on Block D. Anyway, they decided it were time I got some company again. So when the next round of fuck-ups came through, I got Ricky. And when I met that little shit, well, I learned the dark ain't so empty after all. I was sitting on my bunk, smoking a gloriously bland cigarette I pawned off Bosco in the yard when the head screw, Talbin, came beating his big stick against the bars. Now, you think us cons are bad? Try the sadistic guard who knows his prey ain't getting away. He liked taking that black beauty against a few noggins just to make sure we knew who was boss. I don't know about you, but I wanted to yank it away and cram it so far up his poop chute, he'd think twice before swinging it again. But I ain't stupid. I take my licks like the rest. Oh yeah. So Talbot and the other guard, Henson, bring in this scrawny little prick. I mean, he looks like the kind of guy you cheat off of in school. Glasses too big for his face. Blotchy complexion. One of those guys who won't look a man in the face when he's talking to him. Huh. I instantly disliked him. You got a new buddy, Tommy boy. Talvin says to me. He had a shit-eating grin on his fat face. He exchanged a sly look with Henson as they dragged the new guy up to the opening. Now stand on up and put your back to the wall. No need for you getting any ideas. Understood? Yeah, boss. I rose and moved to the back wall. And put that fucking thing out. I don't want to get cancer for breathing your goddamn air. Yeah, boss. I stubbed the cigarette against the wall and slid it behind my ear. Then, I watched as they led Ricky in. I waited as they went through the same spiel they did with every newcomer. Once you heard it once, you heard it a thousand times. The kid fidgeted. I could already tell he was a squirrely bastard. Now, I figured he was locked up for some petty crap, like embezzlement or drugs, or whatever. So when the guards left us alone, I gave him the talk we longtime residents like to give. Alright kid, there's a few things you need to know. First, I ain't into that fairy shit, so keep your hands and your dick to yourself. If you want it, you'll be able to find the menu out in the yard. Second, we ain't friends. You do you, and I'll do me. Sure, boss. I won't cause problems. Figuring I had a smart ass on my hands, I asked him, What you in for, kid? Drugs, was it? No, 
not drugs, he said quietly. This was the first time he met my gaze. He hadn't come any farther than the edge of the bunk since arriving, but I could finally see he had intense blue eyes behind those glasses. I also saw intense anger too. Huh, maybe the guy had spunk after all. Oh uh, yeah? Stole some things? He didn't answer. Instead, he climbed up onto his cot and faced the wall. It wasn't until I talked to some of the guys out in the yard that I learned he had gotten life for murdering his wife and kids. Now, I ain't better. I killed my ex-wife's old boss after catching them in my kitchen. He was eating a hot dog while she was gobbling his hot dog, if you know what I'm saying. But I heard Ricky kill his family while they were sleeping. Or maybe it was while they were eating dinner. Regardless, the shit was crazy. Thing I know for sure, he eventually told me was he had been a professor at some state college and loved talking about literature. Where was I? Oh yeah. Folks learn real quick nights on the block have their natural noises. Shadows reveal a man's sins and guilt can't hide from dreams. Every night, for hours, some poor bastard balls and tries to escape their story I think God adds hours to an inmate's night, hoping he'll reflect on the bad things he's done. Ain't none of us innocent, especially when the lights go out. Many of us accept this simple truth about ourselves. We do our time and hope we don't get gutted or get more time added to our sentence. Me? I sleep fine. I hate prison, but I got the satisfaction of knowing I ain't the worst one here. I learned real quick Ricky's nights weren't peaceful. He took the upper bunk, causing it to creak and groan as he tossed and turned. Every night, for hours on end, where he kept relatively quiet during waking hours, I think the man's demons danced to his subconscious mind, making him even crazier. Whimpers and growls. Rarely full-form words echoed through our cell. Many nights before I fell asleep, I listened to a grown-ass man deteriorate into a childlike state. I couldn't help wondering what he dreamed about, and I wondered what would happen if I tried to climb down before he woke up. Once, two weeks back, I decided to press my luck and ask about it. He watched me quietly, like a predatory animal surveying a future meal, but for many moments, said nothing. My guts jostled around, and I tasted lunch's bland corn and meatloaf rising up my gullet. Instinct prodded me backwards, and my hand gripped the cold, peeling metal bed rails. Did he register the movement? Probably. Even so, I had no fucking desire for a cell mauling. A guy has limits, man, and you got to draw the line somewhere. If it came down to him or me, I'd beat him to death without hesitating. Leaning against the wall, his hands stroking his crossed arms, the young guy stared at me for a long time before finally speaking. Too many ghosts. Honestly, I didn't have a damn clue what he was getting at. 
He wasn't done. A rare thing. This talk had an unusual destination. Have you ever talked to your demons? He didn't wait for a response before continuing. I have. There are truths belonging to this world. Science and religion really can't explain. I couldn't help myself. The hell are you talking about, man? You sound nuts. Another time he might have shut down. Christ, you know what they say about hindsight. But this time, Ricky radiated with a strange light. Instead of retreating into his head, Richard said, They didn't listen. Fuck all I wanted them to go. Maybe stay with her mother. They didn't listen. They didn't... They didn't go. Why didn't they? I saw tears in his eyes. Great wet globs plummeting from weary eyes. Sincerity wears many faces here. Sure, his torment seemed honest, but how honest could this murderer be? After a moment, he went on. They came with the dark. It's our guilt, you see. They feed on our guilt. They gobble it up. They? I was kind of sure he wasn't talking about the same people anymore. I guess you would call them demons. <laughs> You're joking. If there's truth to any of this, there... <sighs> Do you know where the bloody hell we are? I knew the poor bastard believed it, but you gotta admit, it's hard to swallow. I've heard some crazy since I first got to prison, but... Ricky sure topped the crazy list. There's enough evil here to hide. Lots of monsters to get lost behind. As I registered what he just said, it hit a nerve. He had a point. As much as I hated to admit it, that much at least couldn't be denied. A prison held the worst scum the law could convict. Wolves hid among the vipers. You learn early on, these places had different degrees of evil. From the petty to the truly horrible. You think killers were the worst, but you would be wrong. This is our hell. Can't you feel it? Yeah. Every con knows prison is hell. Church teaches you it's fire and brimstone, where you burn for eternity. Because, basically, you're a shitty fucking person. <laughs> I know better. Hell is a tiny room with bars keeping you from the world. Hell is remembering you are guilty and you get what you deserve. Yeah, we know it. He shut down then, moving across the cell to settle on his bunk. A worrisome creak concluded the strangest conversation I've ever had. I moved across the room, taking his place at the wall, but I couldn't meet his eyes. A man shouldn't ponder evil in his mess, but that's what I was doing. I'd done plenty of wrong in my life. I didn't need to get lost in that rabbit hole. Anyway, life goes on, and I forgot about our conversation. Prison gives men too much to think about. Most people don't realize it. With all that sameness, the mind wanders. Sometimes, 
I think about my mom. She died when I was 15, which is good, I guess, since I entered the penal system shortly after we put her in the ground. I think about the first time I stole a car, a cherry convertible that hit over a hundred with delicious swiftness with a crooked smile. Absolute motherfucking exhilaration. I didn't think about Richard's weird conversation. Not until last night when the shit hit the fan. Midnight. A decent world slept beyond our borders their dreams belonging to the unchained. I lay on my bunk, staring at the ceiling. Sleep don't always come easily. It rarely did in the nights preceding this one. And I wonder if I should have made better decisions. Sometimes, laying there, I imagine I'm having a staring contest with the God I don't believe in, reminding him I ain't paid my bill just yet. Anyway, guards made routine rounds down the corridor. Their heels methodically clanged against the metal walkways. Its rhythmic sound, a steady drone to replace leaping sheep. Every so often, they'd stumble across a con with certain ideas how to while away the night. Then, while we kept our eyes closed and breathed in sleep's perfect imitation, that poor bastard would get a nice, not-too-subtle visit from Mr. Baton. Luckily, I keep my perversions to myself, so I've not been on the gift wrap end of those visits. But, I'll tell you, I've seen what's left over in the morning, and it ain't pretty. Fun fact, the guards rarely came my way, except the lights out and when the big boss arrived each morning. That meant the cons on my block didn't have a flashlight in their eyes while they scrambled for sleep. Normally, I like that, but fucking Ricky was at his crazy muttering again. To make matters worse, it got more frantic as the night trudged on. Luckily, we had switched bunks after he had been doing this for a few weeks, so the tossing and turning wasn't so bad on the bottom cut. Still. Finally, I couldn't take it anymore. Richard! I hissed, with my mouth pressed in my arm so the guards wouldn't hear. Whining at night was one thing, but when lights went out, folks better keep their mouths shut. I heard continued muttering below me. It sounded more guttural and animalistic than usual. Straining to hear, I remembered a rabid dog I'd saw years back. Some older boys trapped a large Rottweiler beneath a makeshift crate in one of the abandoned lots my homies and me played in when we were kids. Snarling, it lunged at the rusted bars, foaming saliva dripping from its curled mouth. I remembered their taunts childhood's fearless jibes and the animal's vicious snarls. It might have ended badly had Juan's brother, a cholo and one of the local crews, not put two bullets in his brain. Still, even in death, I swear the bastard could have killed us. 
Its fucking maddened eyes caught me, captured me in twin black pools. They drowned me in, I don't know, eternity maybe. I nearly screamed when I noticed movement. Something shifted beyond my peripherals. Shadows slipped into shadows, deepening with unexpected, impossible life. Guards remained in the distance. Ricky tossed and turned on the bunk below, and to my knowledge, our cell hadn't opened since lights out. I felt trapped in a preternatural limbo, where rotten fingertips traced spiraling sweat trails along my arm. More scuttling in the corner sent electric shock over sweaty flesh. Fuck me running, we weren't alone anymore. Then it whispered his name. Richard. And I nearly screamed. An unwelcome spectator, I knew I didn't belong here. Like anyone, I loved looking when I wasn't supposed to. We're all voyeurs at heart. And maybe, when the spotlight's blinding us, we can deny it. Deep down, it is an inescapable truth. Foolishly, I struggled as deep into my thin, sweat-stained mattress as humanly possible, and hoped I'd go unnoticed. Curiosity battled with fear, engaged in a short, hair-pulling fiasco, until ultimately tucking its balls up in absolute terror. Call me a pussy if you like, but the boogeyman can't get your ass if you don't meet his eyes. Besides, whatever was in there with us wanted Ricky. Richard, wake up. We've come to play. Closer now, at my elbow, hot breath, fire, and ash washed over me. Fright for prudence kept my eyes screwed painfully shut. My mind assumed various scenarios, all of which threatened to send piss down my leg. Sickly sweetness, like too much cotton candy on an extremely muggy day, filled my nostrils. Its feathery touch trickled my flesh, sending scathing goose flesh along my exposed arms. Still, I tried to breathe normally and feign the deepest sleep of my life. Honestly, I couldn't tell you why, but I knew this was the only way I'd make it through the night. No! No! You! How? No! No! Sleep relinquished its troublesome hold on Richard's mind. His voice elevated several octaves, and I heard the lower bunk screech as he scrambled upright. This was childlike fear, without adulthood's pride keeping it restrained. Another time, I might have laughed, even poked fun at the blubbering inmate whimpering a few feet below me. This time, I couldn't laugh. I wouldn't. This couldn't be real, right? It had to be the guards playing a fucked up prank. Right? Right? I wasn't gonna look. I didn't want to know the truth bad enough. I've never been a good actor, but right then, I gave the best damn performance of my miserable life. 
I couldn't hear the intruder's breathing, but I could smell it. Was this death? Had our judgment day finally come to collect? Biting back a scream, I listened as Richard's skull slammed against the uneven stone wall. When he struggled to get as far away from... Uh, to be honest, I don't know what joined us in the cell. Was it a monster? A man? Or had we just lost our minds somewhere along the way? But I didn't move. No, sir. Thank you very fucking much. Did you think we forgot about you? Asked another strangely feminine voice. Its velvet alto sounded almost seductive. A fox's carnal tease, inviting doom with batted eyes. It wriggled into my ears, like tiny fingers trying to tease me into action, into, into taking a peek. But no, I just squeezed my own eyes even tighter and burrowed deeper into the mattress. I, I did what you said. I, I swear I did. Ricky whimpered. He was crying. Not like you do when your puppy gets run over or you just saw a sad movie. He was sobbing so loudly it almost distracted me from the voices. Almost. I just wanted him to shut up, to go away and take his friends with him. Oh, I know you did, my pet, said the first voice, soothingly. Its owner hovered somewhere near my shoulder, within and beyond sight. My insides heaved, the sweet stench neared unbearable levels but I offered only denial. I lay there wrestling with myself and silently pleaded for them to leave. W what do you want? I did it! I don't owe anymore! We want final payment. We want all that our pet has promised. The second answered. Murph laced the words. I could imagine a horrible face shake with silent laughter. I pissed myself. I, I've already paid everything. Heat flooded the cell, forcing stinging sweat from my brow as it cut Richard off. I knew the fiend had grown angry. Rage rippled and flicked at my cheeks, a ravenous anger sopping the sour meat. I wondered what agonies Richard would endure. I didn't like the guy, but I didn't wish harm to him. Besides, even if I did, nobody deserved what awaited. As clocks ticked elsewhere, the two presences filled the room, smothering us with a scalding fever. Do not lie to us. We smell the truth on you. We taste it on the blood you would wash away. We know, Pat. We know. The heat subsided, and realizing I'd been holding my breath, I opened my mouth to allow stale air entry. I'm not! I swear! Uh, I imagined a serpentine tongue, 
far too long to be human, wrap around Richard's exposed left leg. My mind smelled putrid flesh and maggoty decay beneath the murky blanket, each lick becoming less imagined as its garbled moans drifted into actualization, stripped meat from bone. After minutes, or was it hours, I wasn't sure what belonged to imagination and what to reality. Even now it tries to lie to us? One creature said to the other with amusement in his voice. I didn't think Ricky wanted to amuse it. I sure as hell didn't want him to amuse it. Time to come. Hell is awaiting and she is ravenous. A powerful wind rustled through the concrete room, its source originating far beyond the tiny space. Suddenly, I felt my world shift and churn, billow and expand. I heard voices all around me, screaming and pleading, each for their own salvation. Their cries created such a cacophony, I couldn't understand how the guards or the goons in the cells adjacent to ours didn't hear anything. I wanted to open my eyes and look, to play witness to the damn, but I wasn't positive just how much truth I wanted. Wake up, I mumbled, too late to reel my words back in. This was a fucking dream. Just a dream and nothing more. A horrible nightmare to be sure, but one I gladly regret in the morning. Stupidity cost my ass. Ah, oh, finally. Quipped the second intruder. Our pet's friend decides to join us. Does it want to play our games? All it needs is a soul to barter and blood that's spilled. Stale air on my face, and stinging tears begging release, yet I couldn't bring myself to do it. My heart raced. Terror, worse than anything I previously experienced, thrashed through my insides. More than anything else, this helped me reclaim my wits enough to keep my eyes closed and clamp a hand over my mouth. Don't look, zombie! Don't look at them! shrieked Richard, his voice much farther away than should have been possible. The roaring din berated my ears. Centuries of torment greeted me all at once. Violent wind rushed by me, splattering something tar-like against my flesh. The meat sizzled, and I bit down on my tongue so I wouldn't scream like a bitch. To my credit, I had remained on my back for all of this, but the pain reached levels no person should endure, and I tread dangerously close to losing my mind. Ignore the cheat. We can make your pain go away. We can free you from this place. Cooed the wet voice in my ear, its lips so very close to my flesh that I could feel legs crawling, wriggling, sliding from its flesh to mine. Vomit crawled up my belly and tore cruelly at my sinuses. My stomach lurched and I knew 
In that second, I knew I wasn't going to remain on my back. Somehow, as I drew my body into as tight a ball as I could manage, I kept my eyes closed. Obviously disappointed, they said, Shame. We had looked forward to a new game. The intruders pulled away, displeasure etched into their voices. I didn't know what they might have shown me had I yielded to their games. I don't know what they did to Rich. I take that back. I do know. They tore the poor bastard limb from limb. I heard flesh rip apart and felt a warm wet spray against my smarting face. All his screams echoed through my head. They still do. And I smelled death and partially digested food, each scent equally atrocious. But I never looked. I never looked. I never looked. <sighs> I did not know how the guards didn't hear. When they showed up for roll call hours later, I was still curled up on my bed, shivering and repeating, Won't look. Won't look. Ricky's meat and bones dripped from crimson stained walls, and I blubbered like a madman when they tried to drag me from the cell. Naturally, they wanted to pin the whole mess on me. I'm a murderer after all. But... After Talbot and his goons spent the better part of the day torturing me, they finally accepted I didn't do shit. Besides, all my clothes were clean as a whistle. And the mess. Ricky had been torn apart so much, there'd have been no way for me to stay clean had I done it. Still, they threw me in solitary after I told what happened. Just to be on the safe side, they said. Yeah, right. There are scarier things in this place than me. I've been here a while now. Maybe a day? Two? It's so dark, and I feel something moving. But I won't open my eyes. Why did they let me go? Huh? What's that? Oh, I feel it. The wind. Oh, dear God. They're, they're back. I hear them. I won't open my eyes. I won't open my... I've heard prison can be hard on the mind and soul. <laughs> Better luck next time. Now, we've come to our final tell. Come closer, lest you not hear the water's rhythmic drips.
Foss has been doing that for God knows how long now. I probably should turn it off, but that means getting up. Not only that, it means putting my feet on the floor. That's where they can get me, you know? Papa told me when the lights go out, when he closes the door until morning's first light, I can't get up, or they... But no, that's not true. It can't be, right? You'd think I knew better. I mean, I turned 23 last Sunday. Wasn't it last Sunday? How many... Oh, I don't really know what day it is. I'm a grown-ass woman, but... <sighs> Papa knows best. He's seen them after all. He's seen those bony fingers snake out of the shadows. Seen them do horrible things when the light didn't touch them. Like when Jake got hurt. Papa says they dragged him down to the cellar. I'll never go down there. But Mama calls him a liar. Well, she did before she left us. Left us alone. With the monsters. I really need to pee now. Maybe if I keep moving, they won't get to me. Okay. I hear Pop in the other room, snoring loudly. Jake? I haven't seen him since my birthday. He does that sometimes, Papa says. Runs off like that. He gets a strange look in his eyes, though. Like he doesn't quite believe it. Anyway, it's now or never. I can do this. The monsters won't get me. I lift my leg over the tub and start to put my feet on the cold tile. The cuff link drags against the porcelain, scaring the winch from me. I don't want Papa to wake up. He doesn't like coming in here after he's closed the door. Lifting my leg higher, I try not to let the metal link slide over the rim either, so I pick them up, delicately, almost like a lover might. Goosebumps race up and down my legs as my toes touch down. <sighs> so far, so good. The dripping is driving me bonkers, though. The sink is only a few paces, just a couple steps. But it's the floor I'm worried about. And those monsters, they'll get me if I stay too long. I've got to be brave to reach out and tighten the knobs. I'll be able to hold my pee until morning. If not, Papa gives me a narrow vase to do my business in. No monsters yet. hand tightens around the dark knob as I twist. A final droplet wants to escape to commit its final suicide, but I smash it with my fist. <sighs> no more dripping. Time to go back to the tub. That's when I feel them. Little fingers on my heel. <sighs> Not here. They aren't here. But then, 
I'm falling. Should have stayed off the floor. Should have. I believe Grim could do us a favor and share what horrors dwell outside that poor girl's prison. But for now, thank you for joining us for the All Hallows Eve episode of The Black and Grim Podcast. All story rights belong to the author. No reproduction of this podcast or the stories therein can be done without the express permission of the author and myself. Until next time, keep an eye on the shadows.